little on Facebook. I was like, yes, this is a great idea. Then, then you got drinks with CJ Banks. <laughs> it's not a gimmick, people. It's not a gimmick. <laughs> it's not a gimmick. Thank you all for coming. Great cause. Appreciate it very much. For anyone who doesn't know who I am, first off, why you just walk into a random But if you, uh, if you don't know who I am, I am Flashboard Webster, Nesbitt King of Mods. Well, for the next hour, I'm going to be your host. So, as I like to see it, FACILITATOR! Chat discussions, gatherings, you know who people are, like, we're gatherings, we're your wrestling favourites, so as I like to call them, my buddies, my pals, my coaches, my wrestling friends. Right, okay. I'm not going to gather on too much here because, as I said, I'm extremely humble. <laughs> um, so, we're bored because of Trav, we all love Trav and a lot of work that he did. And thank you all for coming here and thank you all for giving the donations. Um, should we get the uh, show started? Yeah! I said, should we get the show started? Yeah! Okay, can I get uh, my first guest to the ring then? Uh, he hails from the land of South Wales. He is Bronco Brendan White. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I can't get on to bring people books. Well, you were last year. Should we get them in? Yeah. I thought you'd be the company chair. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, right. So all these uh, generally work. We can relax. Yeah. Chillax. 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 Is this still good? Okay. Yep. Two. Is that working? Uh, Hello? Uh, no? That's not working? Okay. Oh, 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 oh. Look at this. Okay. Look at this. Do we have a black one? You can have one. Hello? That's good yeah. oh, There we go. Hello. There Hello. we go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, let's have a little chat. Keep it fresh. Um, so, there's a main reason that I brought you on today. Yep. We'll, have, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but me and you go back, what, 10, 15 years? Probably. So, yeah, 10, 15 years. Probably, yeah. Known each other since we were 11 years old, people. Oh. His, his head was still that big then. I got no come back to that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Literally, became best friends because of wrestling. Yeah. I used yeah. to uh, record the pay-per-views. And, uh, the VHSs. All the VHSs. If uh, Vince is listening, I didn't do that. <laughs> I would very much like to work for the Dory. <laughs> I, I had two video tips, so I tip the tape he gave me with another video tip, so I also uh, I, I copied you. So. That's double copyright. Yeah. <laughs> but we started, so we started in the, in the backyard. We started with uh, the Wild Boar Mike Hitchman. Shout out, there's in the back. There's in the back. There he is. Yeah. And uh, we, used we used to build rings in the back garden, and then we used to. Uh, so, I was there for a while, but you for a while didn't want to get into, into wrestling really, so let's chat I, I think I was the most uh, closet backyard wrestler in the history of backyard wrestling. <laughs> I didn't want to do it because I was one of the cool kids, I played rugby a lot, and I was like, I'm not wrestling, I'm not wrestling. Then I sit down with the boys to uh, have a match or two. End of being three years, yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah. Oh, you were like, oh, I'll pop down one week. And then three years later, you were still, yeah. still done. <laughs> then I was traveling to places like Luton, Newcastle, uh, Crazy, yeah. on mats and uh, networking as we do it. Networking on the backyards. Trying to become the king of the backyard people. And you'd be amazed but when I turn pro then, it's like... So, 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 so when, when are you going to turn pro? Um, <laughs> I have no comeback again. In front of you, Bob, he's cooler than me, so I can't deal with it. So, yeah. 
thing is I've been building up all these little insults the entire week. <laughs> Come on, all the chats. Yeah, and um, no, it's, it's um, I, I didn't, I, it, was, it was something I didn't want to publicly acknowledge for some reason. It seemed like I was ashamed of it or something, but wrestling was my life. I, I've been a fan of wrestling since, like, the 1993 King of the Ring. I, my very first match, I remember, like, Shawn Michaels was crushed. I, I, I was a huge wrestling fan, and um, in the end, I kind of accepted I love wrestling, and that's why I stuck over, so... But do you think you kind of went from accepting it? Yeah. And you were dabbling in another pro. Yeah. You didn't, my opinion, you didn't give yourself 100% in the pro. You were in no. and out, one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, yeah. And this is what we're going to get, is one of the reasons why you're on today. Um, so, timeline wise, two years ago, we're going to talk about? Yeah, yeah, it's about 18 months ago. 18 months ago, yeah. okay. So, some of you might know something or not. So, 18 months ago, um, I, was, I was in Spain, I remember this. I remember getting a, uh, getting a message. On Facebook, big Facebook group rolling, and you said, "Guys, I got some news," and I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Really. So yeah, I, and, and that's another reason why I'm here, I guess, because for about eighteen months ago, I I I'd been training to run like a marathon, and I, I had some kind of pain in my um in my right testicle. I was kind of like. I thought I'd give myself a hernia, and, and even in medicine training, I was taking fun bumps. It took me ages to get up. I just like dull ache in my stomach as well, and it was just like pain, pain. And um, on the way home from Edinburgh, because when I run the marathon, on the way home from Edinburgh, my friends were in the car were like, you need to get checked. How long has it been going on for you? You just need to get checked. So, um, because it was on my testicle, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a thing of like, I don't want to go to the doctors because... It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing, yeah, and it's, it's quite a hard thing for men to kind of deal with and cope with, um, but eventually common sense came through and I, I eventually went, and um, as soon as I went there, they referred me to a urologist straight away, which is people who deal with kind of, you know, testicles, testicles and penises and, and, and all sorts of kind of issues down there, and um, after that, it was a week later that... Uh, I just walked into the room with the urologist and uh, the first thing she said to me was, uh, do you know any footballers with cancer? And I was like, no, I'm not a footballer. Um, <laughs> but I was like... I can tell you he's definitely not a footballer. <laughs> yeah, I'm a dreadful footballer. But uh, um, they, she led me on the table, she just looked at my Tesco, touched it, and she just went, that's cancer. Um, straight away. Um, and when I was told, I was a bit like, well, that's like in a space of like a week from being the fittest person in my life to run a marathon, run a marathon yeah. best shape in my life to then like a week later being told that I had cancer and then they said it straight away then do you want us to freeze some sperm? Um, they, do they want, you know, do you want this and that? Do you need to tell your relatives and all that? And I was just, I was in a daze. I was just, I was just a bit like, well, I'm, I'm 25 at the time. I'm 25 and being told that like cancer at that age, I was, I was just, my life, my life crumbled a little bit and uh, that was on a Thursday and by Saturday I had surgery and I had my, uh, my right testicle moved like three days later, so in a space of like nine days and I know for me I just kind of sucked it in and just kind of went through the motions um, but for you and Hitch and um, all my other close friends like, and that's the reason why like having is important to me as well because like I know it's Sheffield based, but that, that cancer support group is it's not for the people who went through it like myself, it's for the people 
who went through it with me, so my family, my friends, and, and I know I was quite difficult to deal with in that uh, three week I couldn't walk for like three weeks because when they cut me, I just, I lost all feeling on my legs and it was just, um, it was tough, it was tough. So, you know, I can speak on my experiences and that's the reason why I kind of wanted to be here because it's such a difficult topic and it's such a, such a, um, you, think it, you think it won't happen to you. Um, and, and for a lot of people, and, you know, and I met Trav, the, one, the only time I met Trav was, it was about a month or two after I started walking again. And, um, you know, and, and, and the reason why I wanted to do this is just to share my experiences with everyone because cancer's not a joke. And, and I know I make a joke of it now, but at the time there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of thoughts. And if that wasn't bad enough, it was, the, um, it was about two or three months later, I had the synopsis of my tumour. And that's not that they basically tell you what type of cancer it was and and so on and so forth. And I remember you being there and at the time and uh, they said I had something called a yolk sac tumor, which is like it's five different types of testicular cancer that you can have, and it was unfortunately the worst one. Um, but there was good news in it that in that I caught it early. So um, they gave me the choice basically of either having chemo now uh, for two weeks or um, risking it. And, you know, if it doesn't come back, then it doesn't come back. But he said it was a 50% chance it would come back to. And if it came back, it would be in my stomach or my brain. Maybe in the first six months, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, and I said to the doctor, you know, what's your opinion? You know, give me, because, you know, I, this is not really a choice I can make. So what, what's your opinion? And he just said cancer with everything is, is the most unpredictable disease. It can, it can go away, it can come back. There's no symptoms. Um, especially in your stomach, no symptoms whatsoever. So, you know, you can just collapse one day. If you've ever seen Deadpool, um, the bed when he's in the toilet and he collapses, it's exactly that. Um, and I just said, what should I do? And he's like, live, just go about your day. If, if the tumour was any bigger than 1.5 centimetres, which it was, he said, I'd recommend you have chemo. But he said, you know, he gave me the diagnosis of life in the tree. And he just said, you know, I'm not going to give you chemo if you're well. Um, but he just said, go ahead and just go ahead with it, and, uh, and I did, um, but it was just, you Now know, you what, 18 months cancer-free? Yeah, yeah, 18 months. Um, I think my, my last kind of anxiety, my last kind of real issues I had was when you and Hitch came with me for my year scan. Um, that was a big moment for me because it was like, if it's going to come back, Chances are it's going to come back in the first year. So as I came out, um, you know, and I got the results and, and uh, Flash and Hitch run back, they, they were with me and I, I left there. And, um, you know, I have no shame in admitting that when I left, I cried my eyes out. It was the most relieving like, news ever. And um, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that because. You, 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 you generally think it, it won't happen to you and if anybody, if anybody here has ever suffered from cancer or knows someone who has and you're surrounded by that, like, I know, I know, I know you, you, you are rough, um, I know Hitchwood's well, um, credit to the pain of you, like, ever since that happened, the, the other thing with me as well is like, the dynamic with all my friends changed because I, I always was the person that, if there, any of my friends ever needed me, I'd be the first person there, I'd always just run, but it, it was never the other way around because I didn't let myself be vulnerable, I guess. I didn't let, I didn't open up as much as I normally do. And it's still a work in progress, I know it is. 
I know it is, um, especially with the way I am and being Bourbon and stuff, but uh, I realised then that, you know, with Hitch and you, like, I couldn't ask for better best friends because without you guys being it, like, you were there every day for me when I was in the house. That was like, you don't understand what I meant to be because if you weren't there, then you just sat there on your own thinking, oh, it's going to come back. You're going to, you know, when, when you're going to die, like literally next month, like if it comes back, my stomach, my brain. Um, but yeah, you guys can't be saying. So yeah, like, thank you for, thank you for that. And, and that's the reason why after I flirted with wrestling for years in and out, coming training, going away, playing rugby. That's why now it's like... You're all in. I'm all in. And if, if anything from my lessons teach, like, shows anybody, it's like, your life is literally your story. Don't let anybody else dictate it. They just heard. I mean, like, only you can choose what you want to do. And if you let other people's opinions or your perception of other people's opinions, like, stop you from doing what you want to do, then that's not living. That's, that's, that's not living. And to me, for so many years, I put other people's opinions or what I thought other people's opinions were of me wrestling or, or me loving wrestling, like, hold me back. And, and I just, I see Hitch and Gab now and, yeah, they, they're enjoying what they want to do. And, and that's like, and that's life, isn't it? You know, it's not about earning money, it's about enjoying your life and doing what you love. And, and now I'm the happiest I've ever been, despite having one testicle. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the best, like, you know, so... Well, it's kind of like you have two testicles, but one's better. Yeah, I, I was in live lounge last night, and I saw a drunken guy in the toilet, and he was talking to me, and I went, can you do this? And I flipped my testicle, my fake one, and I, I tried to get him to do it as well, and I, 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 I was so... <laughs> I was so bad, he was drunk, and I really tried to convince him, but... Uh, he was like, can I just say, yeah. you're an inspiration, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I kind of use it to win bets now as well. It's, um, you know, I, I see calls, I see positives in it as well, like, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not going to define me, um, but it's going to make, it's going to make me, uh, like, I'm going full head of steam, steam ahead now, you know. It's a big head as well. <laughs> My hair, like, goes way back, like, our friendship, I guess, you know. <laughs> that's not a forehead, that's an eight head. <laughs> I have a big head, okay. <laughs> no, no, we should come on, and I can tell when you were talking as well, it was difficult to kind of get off your chest and when we yeah. when we started talking about this I'll be honest he's the main reason that this podcast live what's happening today because we had a little conversation about you uh, telling that story and I just said well let's see if we can make some money for uh, the charity as well yeah and, uh, I, I use 10 of us a lot well, was it? well a lot I, I call them twice because it's some things friends can't help with. I think you need some professional help here. And when, when I realised what the cause was for and what it meant to me, because obviously I've only ever met Trav once, but as a cancer survivor, and that, I mean survivor, and I'm not going to let anything think any differently now. Um, I just think if, if I can share my experiences with other people then, and, and raise money for this cause even more, then all the power to it. And I happily share my experiences. And if anybody ever wants to talk to me after the show, about anybody, like any any relatives that you have, then by all means, I'm, I'm free to talk anytime about it. Okay.
right then, should we get uh, one more guest on? Yes! Yeah. Should we get one more guest on? Yes! Is the voice of Attack Pro Wrestling, Mr. Jim Lee! Yeah. Said be we'd be in a social club bone with fewer people than here today. If I walked out in Birmingham and saw you out there, what a great turnout! So long, I saw that. I mean, you, you laugh, but it's true. There was one show that we did in what was in the end one of the venues that we did one of the first ever attack shows in in, in Smithswood in Birmingham, really close to where Pete's from. And we did a show there one time for I think it was LPW, uh, and. There wasn't even the changing room, we were all stood outside the back door, outside, and all the rest was getting changed, and one of the promoters, whoever it was, came through and said, the show's going to start in a few minutes, and uh, there's 12 people that have showed up, do you guys still want to do the show? Um, so this was kind of what it was like at the time, and there was only really a handful of places that guys could go to to wrestle in front of large crowds, like you maybe had... IPW were doing fairly big shows back then, and you know, the camps and stuff, maybe one or two other places, but generally there wasn't very many places you could go to, to showcase your stuff in front of a large crowd. Um, and I think for what a lot of the guys wanted to do, like Pete and like Mark, was this uh, kind of internationally influenced style of independent wrestling that wasn't really prevalent anywhere in the country. So starting Attack Pro Wrestling was originally meant to be the outlet for the boys, the, the, the guys that you still see wrestle here today, to be able to do that, to showcase what they were able to do, to give everyone a platform they never had before. Um, 
it's pretty amazing what it's, what it's become to us. It's given everyone, if you see what the guys are doing now, it's, it blows my fucking mind. To be honest. <laughs> so when did, why did you make the decision to step away from wrestling? What, in terms of me doing wrestling? Yeah, yeah because we know that you're an integral part of the show, one of the best hype men in the business. But, keep it down. But, um, I don't I'm so on my buttons. But, when did you make the decision, why did you make the decision to step away from being an in-ring competitor? Uh, I, I didn't care enough, I don't think. When I started doing it, I really... Me and Pete had these grand, bloody delusions. What I remember when I was uh, delusions. Oh, sorry. I, say, I, I, I say delusions. He, yeah, he is going to be a superstar. But, uh, but when I mean delusions, we had this idea that we were going. Basically, I was in my first reunion. I'd go to the gym like five days a week, and we had this idea that we were going to, as soon as we had the money and I'd finished union, we got jacked. We were going to go to like we were going <laughs> to. At the time, it seemed like a very realistic idea. It's going pretty well, to be Well, what about for one of us? Uh, we had this idea that we were going to go to the Dudley Boys Training School in America. I don't know why we decided the Dudley Boys Training School. Um, and it was like, and one day we, well, we might wrestle for Shikara. And that was like the, the idea of that would be the pinnacle of what we could achieve. Um, and whatever happened, I was still training when I went down to London and stuff. Um, and I think just over the course of time, I gradually just fell out of love with doing it. Um, I, I recall kind of going to shows, and by this point in time, there were still small shows. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been to like AMP Wrestling in Coventry or things like that, but they were, that's when my couple of my buddies and those were probably outside of the camps, the biggest shows I was doing, and there was maybe 80, 90 people there a show. And it was getting to the point where I was showing up to these things and just being like, oh, I just want it to be over. I don't think I had a lot of confidence in myself. I mean, I wasn't very good, so probably for good reason. But um, it, it was getting to the point where I was arriving for shows and just wanting the show to be over. I remember I wrestled you that one time, actually. And they oh, yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> I was really like, I want this to be over. I want this to be <laughs> at the time, that was going to be my last match, actually. I came back and did a whole more then and a whole more then afterwards. Um, yeah, and I, I remember I just kidded myself for the longest period of time that... Um, that just making all these little excuses. Like, I had the most incredible opportunities to go and do amazing training. So through wrestling, I got to know like Zach Taylor Jr. We had a similar taste in music, so we'd hang out sometimes. And he started doing training sessions just outside of London. And when you've got Zach Saber Jr., one of the most incredible professional wrestlers on the planet, even back then, saying to you, come and train. You know, JD will be driving out here. Come and, come and train. And I'd be like... Oh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of work, uh, but as soon as this turns over, I'm really going to start working hard. And I was kidding myself, really. I didn't care enough about it. And so after a while, I just decided. I think I was still going along with it just because I love being at the shows. I love the social aspect of it, but I didn't love the wrestling side of it anymore. So I pulled the plug and wrestled you. <laughs> and then I had enough. <laughs> <laughs> So, I can't recall, have you, you weren't the, uh, you weren't the announcer for the first tax shows here, were you? I was actually, you was. I was. 
Uh, it was, the first, was it a regular? From the regular? Or? So I announced the. So when, we, when me and Pete started Attack, I'd already stopped wrestling by that point in time. Um, so I was in it from a kind of. I had my business hat on, almost. Um, I think I just recently kind of finished university when we started it up, and I re announced the original shows up there. I, I don't know how that came to be because I never had any idea that I wanted to do ring announcing. I think it just happened to be convenient that I would be there, so it makes sense for me to do the ring announcing. Save some money. Well, probably save some money. And also, you don't really have people who are ring announcers in British wrestling that much. Maybe more so now than you did before, but... No, I think maybe there's about five, six. Maybe now, but definitely at that point in time you didn't. It was just any old fucker. Still a pretty <laughs> That's how I ended up doing it. So, so the, we ran a few shows in Birmingham. Well, does anyone ever come to an attack show in Birmingham? Yeah. <laughs> Mark Andrews. Before that was lost, you can see why we still got Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny, those attack shows, we, we had this idea of it being this kind of really fun, wacky style of wrestling. And to be honest, the first attack shows were just, just straight up generic British indie shows, really, just with a slightly more. <laughs> Just, just with a, a just with a, I'll, I'll say a better standard of wrestling than was available and seen a lot of the time there. And also, we just went and did lots of flowering and actually got some bumps in seats. Uh, but those shows in Birmingham weren't anything really to, uh, there wasn't a great deal to find them, not like you see now, and it's really different. Um, the, the I, I bring announced the first one we did here in Cardiff as well. That one, it was originally meant to be in what? No, it might be November of 2011, 2012, on those years. We were meant to have the first attack show here. Um, and I, I don't know if we got to a sellout or close to a sellout or something like in the, in the in the room next door. And there was, a, there was a, there's another promoter who runs shows in Wales that didn't want another promotion in Wales. And uh, he managed to. To, to pull us up on the fact that the venue didn't have the correct license to host wrestling. For anyone that, I don't know if anyone uh, kind of knows much of the work of Brit Wrestling, but this was a common thing in kind of, around that kind of time, the kind of late noughties and early whatever the next decade's called, that um, you actually need to have a special provision on a license in a venue to have boxing or wrestling. Um, and we didn't really know, so we thought the venue already had the correct provision and license, and they didn't. And so the, this other promoter, who shall remain nameless, gave a ring to the council, and the license department got the show pulled. So we, I remember Mark and Eddie kind of frantically trying to find another venue so we could have the, the first Cardiff attack show. Uh, and they'd been to look at like the Globe, all these other places, but ultimately they couldn't sort anything, the show had to get pulled, and we rescheduled it for February, February the 11th or 12th the following year, or something yeah. like that. and that was when we actually had the show next door with the correct licensing provision in Charity. place, and we ran it for for Recovery Comedy. We ran it in Adolf because a friend of Mark's sister is involved with the charity, um, so we, we ran it in aid of that. Um, that was when Attack first started using the slogan, we do it for the money, obviously, which is still on the logos nowadays. That was where that originally came from. Um, 
I would announce it in there. We had Mark and Pete in the main event. Um, I'm sure they've done that match in some other promotion recently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great. It was a super kind of life-affirming experience to have. I mean, talk like folks who've had some more of those recently. But, to, but for us at the time, to have that room where a whole bunch of us used to come in the summer holidays and set up an old boxing ring and train and stuff, to have that room with a sold-out crowd of paying fans all on their feet at the end, pop in for market and shoot style was super, super cool. And then two days later, I got a real job and uh, stopped my involvement with Attack for the Time Being. Uh, it was happy I needed a job. <laughs> I was a graduate from Imperial College working in a jacket potato shop in Coventry, so I kind of... <laughs> So I needed a real job, really. The beer doesn't pay for itself, does it, Jim? Uh, no, not when you like to drink the beer that I drink. It's <laughs> so when did you uh, make the move to come back, and how did that come about? I kind of dipped in and out of it from there, really. Like, when I started working, I went and started working for a startup in London. I actually, we were still trying to run shows in Birmingham at that point in time. And there was a day, I was a couple of weeks into my new job, meant to be doing business development stuff for this startup. So my job was meant to be spend all day picking up the phone, calling the businesses, trying to persuade them to work with our company, basically. Um, and I'd literally been in the job about two weeks. And I'd work some days from home. I still lived in Coventry. The job was in London. So I had this arrangement where I'd travel down to London three days a week to work, and the other couple of days I would work from home. Uh, and I spent one of my days, I was meant to be working at home, pretending I was working when actually I went to Solihull for a meeting with uh, like the police licensing officer about a licensing provision for a show that we wanted to run at, at the same Smith's Wood venue. Um, weird one, that's some of the stuff you have no idea that goes into when you're involved in running a wrestling show. So we had to apply for that licensing provision that we needed for, well, for a temporary event notice for a show we are going to run at that same venue in Birmingham that we ran before. And... Um, we, our licensing request got rejected because there had been a boxing event there um, uh, kind of a couple months beforehand and someone had been stabbed at this boxing event. It had all gone bloody nuts and the, license, the, the people who, I don't know who it is, whoever it was, the council, I think it was the police objected to there being another event of a similar nature there because they felt that there were sensitivities in the community, whatever else have you. It, their argument was actually very reasonable when I sat down and they explained it to me, but at the time we were just like, but wrestling's so different. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> um, we won't stab anyone, I promise. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> e- e- even though we, we did later have the police show up to an event we, we ran at that venue because Damien done assault a child. <laughs> 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 he, 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 did, he didn't really. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the father of the child claims that. <laughs> I did the entire podcast with him, and we skimmed over all that. <laughs> I'm so sorry, David. <laughs> no, just just to clear that up, Damien got it. He was being a heel. He yelled at the kid, and the dad was like, "You push my kid!" And this really fat guy just kind of stopped pushing him against the ring with his belly, and it was. It was interesting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Damien. Uh, but anyway, that's... that's, a, that's a, <laughs> you broke your brain. To be 
Damien was cleared of any wrongdoer when the police arrived, so it's fine. It was all, it was all on tape, so we're able to prove that nothing went down. If you remember as well, they took ages to arrive, and when they arrived, we were like, what if you saw them? And they were like, someone down the road just had their hand chopped off with a machete. <laughs> Look, fair, fair. Sweet, sweezy. <laughs> and that's where Pete Dennis wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not giving people. If you ever wonder why not to mess with Pete Dunn amongst other reasons, that would be one reason. Uh, yeah, we, so we wanted to run a show there, and I went, basically, they rejected our request for the temporary event notice. So I skived the day off work, pretending I was at home working, when actually I'd gone to Solihull to meet with the, whoever the dude is and the police who deals with the license and stuff. Um, and he just basically presented me all these newspaper clippings of like, this is why this is a sensitive issue for the community here today. We, we will not and cannot give you the kind of go-ahead to run this event here. Um, and when I kind of got home from that, it was like, I cannot be skiving days of my real job to go and try and sort out licensing issues for wrestling shows. I, I need to be a bit of a grown-up. So I, that was kind of when I stopped doing stuff with Attack. And it kind of by this point in time, because we, we were in so much in Cardiff, Mark was uh, as involved as any of us by that point in time. And kind of Mark and Pete were running it and holding down the force. So I just kind of left it to them at that point in time. And my involvement was more stop-start at that point in time. I'd come along to a show if I fancied it every so often. Uh, but they had some other chap, I don't even know who was, doing ring announcing and every now and then. So when did you decide then that you've been in that full-time hell at that point? It wasn't really a conscious decision, really. I just kind of, every so often, if they'd always ask me if there was a show on, if I could do it, and sometimes I'd be like, yeah, but most of the time I'd be like, oh, well, the football's on, so I'm going to go to the football, because um, I'm a glutton for punishment. You are common. I'm a Coventry City fan, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that just over the course of time, it was obviously the shows are really, really fun. So I, I think it just got to the point where I just always wanted to be at the shows, and, it, and so I just kept coming back, and then somehow it became a... It, there was one show where I'd come out, and there were like two rows of fans wearing masks of my face on it, which was thoroughly bizarre, and yeah, it, it, that just made it all the more weirdly enjoyable, really. It kind of like, I, it started to become a thing that I thought I needed to always be a part of. Like you became part of the community and you were... Yeah, I mean, like, it always been a case of... I always wanted to... I always liked coming to the shows anyway because, of course, when I was... Early days, I was involved with wrestling to a much more embedded extent. Like, we would travel around the country to shows and so, like, me and Pete were based in the Midlands together and we would go on long drives to Kent or to Wales here to hug up with Mark and that or whatever else it would be. And so this was, like, a kind of core group of friends to me, really. So when I stopped doing wrestling stuff, I didn't really see that group of friends anymore. So coming to Attack was really just a, still a chance for me to just reconnect with friends and hang out and stuff. So I always liked doing that. So it always was a kind of family feel anyway, especially kind of if you think of how and why it was started and everything else that we wanted to defend. Essentially, it's still the same group of people at its core that you see at Attack shows now at the first ever set of Attack shows. And it's because it was just started by really a group of friends who wanted to have this platform to show off what they could do. Um, so there was always that sense of community and sense of family, and there still is whenever I come back. But it, I, yeah, it just kind of evolved over time. That it, I guess the, that community widened in a funny way now, and it's now I'll come at shows and I'll see the same group of fans here every time, the same people, and have a beer with the same people, and it's, it's just not something I really want to miss nowadays. 
I spent the seaside glasses and he was just looking at my eyes. <laughs> And then they blew it up. 
that in my phone? I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was a thing in cartoons. Sad times. Anyways, we're on a mission to save Colorado once more. I say save, we need to completely rebuild it from the ground up.
Jim had this great idea at the, uh, at the start of the show when we were chatting, and he said that uh, thank you very much for everyone's keynotes, um, but there's probably some people who are probably horrendously hungover, like CJ Banks, who can't be here right now. Um, and we thought that it could be a, uh, a good idea to potentially just have me close the show and put it on uh, Facebook Live, so I think uh, if we have a... Uh, I, think, I think we're on Facebook it, then. Oh, we yeah. are. Yeah. I think so. Oh, no, I've got to press go live. Oh, three, two, one. Oh. Hello, Zach Pro Facebook. I'll spin around the camera now and you can all share. Three, two, one. Hey everyone, hope you've enjoyed the first ever Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends Live. 
course, remember this podcast comes to you free of charge every Wednesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever, wherever you get your podcasts from. But please be sure to rate, subscribe, review, because it does help us push away up those podcasts. Listen, it does open us up to new listeners. Of course, if you do want to give something back, then please head over to cavcare.org.uk and make a donation for Cavish Cancer Care. As well, you can tell a friend or head over to social media. I'm on Twitter, at Flash underscore Morgan, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster. Hope you enjoyed the show, and hopefully you'll be back again.